Hey everyone, this is episode 12 of Two Twins and a Mic. It is Sunday the 17th and it is your two favorite hosts, Sam and Eli. And today we will have Manny joining us as Jamie, our fact checker. Quiet, Jamie. <laughs> These introverts they just talk too much. <laughs> so guys, um, we were debating together in terms of what we're going to discuss today. And we came to the conclusion that we wanted to explore and talk about the idea around, not the idea, but about dreams. And as you guys may know already, you know, we spend a third of our life sleeping. So, you know, this would be, uh, and I mean, I, I'd imagine this would be a big component of most people's lives. From, from the research that I've done, I understand that most people do experience dreams. And usually it's around, they say, the REM stage of uh, sleep. So that's the rapid eye movement. So that's when you experience, again, this is just my understanding, your deepest level of sleep in the whole sleep cycle. And usually your dreams happen, so during REM sleep, or they say just before you're about to wake up early in the morning. And generally dreams last for about 5 to 20 minutes, but it could last a lot longer if it's the weekend or just about, just as about, uh, sorry, if you start dreaming around early morning, they say your dreams can be about 90 minutes to 120 minutes. And so the reason like we wanted to talk about also dreams, besides, aside from the fact that they say we spend on average, uh, the human, the average human being spends about six years of their lifetime dreaming, which is a huge component. If you think about it, six years of your life is in this subconscious state. Um, is just dreams can be very weird at times and you know you just sometimes you wake up in the morning and you try to understand like what 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 did that dream mean what was that all about so I'll give you an example so like it's roughly I think two or three days ago I had this um, interesting dream and it was I was in the kitchen and I don't know who the other lady in the kitchen was like I, all I saw was her back right and she was at the stove and she was cooking something and there was this like random baby on the floor in like this um, like cradle of some sort, but like the ones that are like low lying, right? And there was like this baby who was like Anglo basically, and he's crying. And I'm next to him and I say to his mother, who again, I can't see her back. I'm like, like this baby is crying. What do I do? And she says, grab some ice and put it on his chin. So in the dream, I, I grab some ice and I put it on the baby's chin, specifically on his chin, and he stops crying. And then, like what I noticed later in the dream is, when I left the ice on the baby's chin, the baby put out his tongue and then started licking the ice like um, like a lizard, like just like you know quick licks like a snake or a lizard. And um, yeah, I I honestly like I woke up like the hell was that dream about like it does doesn't make any sense to me and so the, you know sometimes at least historically what i used to do is sometimes when i would get these weird dreams is i would try to look up the meaning behind them and what's interesting is 
there you know on, on google you can find a lot of interpretations of your dreams and what they mean um i'll, I'll give you another example of, of a recurring dream that i had for a very long period of time um, in my life but it, this dream is pretty much stopped since the last two years three years maybe even a bit longer i just can't remember i can't pinpoint exactly when it stopped maybe maybe the last two years but this dream that i've always had was i'm in this african savannah right with this tall long grass and it's imagine like the sun's beating down it's hot and i'm like a i think i'm a neanderthal but like what i only see is i see the dream from the first person perspective in terms of from from their eyes from the, from the like the dream is i can just see myself through that other individual if i'm assuming it's me like I can, in the dream state their eyes and i'm running but i never actually see like what's chasing me but i know it's an animal right and um i'm running across like this you know orange deserty savannah with long grass and i'm running i'm running i'm running and it's always the same i reach the edge of this cliff and then i fall down the cliff and then there are these like sharp spikes like vegetation i'm not too sure if like they're like bamboo or something sharp spikes and i land on them and then i wake up i've obviously died in my dream right so i was just reading in terms of and i, I had this dream for a while and i was reading online like you know what are the third and uh, third and <laughs> what are the 30 common dream symbols and the first one that popped up this is interesting actually i just noticed the second one anyways number one animals it says animals often again in my dream i never saw the animal right so it says animals often represent the part of your psyche that feels connected to nature and survival being chased by a predator suggests you're holding back repressed emotions like fear or aggression and i think that's interesting because i would say i was pretty much emotionally repressing quite a few emotions um maybe two years ago so maybe like that's that explains a lot like you know i, I, I this is the first time i'm reading this so i mean you could i would have called bullshit on this otherwise but i'm like that's true like i was internalizing a lot of like emotions and why I laughed earlier is because the second one here, it says 30 common dream symbols, is babies. So it says, babies can symbolize a literal desire to produce offspring. I'm not sure about that at the moment. Or your own vulnerability or need to feel loved. <laughs> they can also signify a new start. Now, it doesn't really explain why the baby was licking the ice cube. <laughs> well, that's interesting. Um, and then there's the third one, being chased, is one of the most common dream symbols in all cultures. Interesting. It means you're feeling threatened. So reflect on who's chasing you. Again, like I said, I never see who's chasing me, but I remember, I know it's an animal, right? Um, it may be symbolic, and they're and why they are possible, why they are possible threat in real life. Um, there are other stuff like, I guess, death. It says here, um, which would be, I imagine, a common one for some people, falling. We've got death and falling here. So death of a friend or loved one represents change and is not a psychic prediction of any kind. If you are recently bereaved, it may be an attempt to come to terms with the event. And it says falling here is a common dream symbol that relates to our anxieties about letting go, losing control, or somehow failing after a success. Again, that's interesting because I would have said that I had a you know, decent level of anxiety um two years ago 
Um, and I would say in terms of like, you know, I did try to control outcomes um, to an extent. So that's interesting. And all I know is the other recurring dream that I had up until the HSC was, um, well, sorry, post HSC for a couple of years was I always, and this was like a lucid dream because I always thought it was real, right? So it was specifically math based on math. Like I was in the HSE exam, I'm doing the math test, right? And the weird thing is I actually remember like, and I'll get to that in a sec, but like I'm doing the math test, but either there's not enough time or I don't know how to answer the question or whatever. And I'm so panicked. I'm like, I'm going to fail the HSE. I'm going to fail the HSE. And in, in, like, I felt like it was so real every time. And this is years after I had actually finished the HSC. And I was just like, that's it. I'm done. My future is done. And then I would always think it's real. And I would wake up and I'd be like, oh, like, I'm, I'm okay. I actually have a job. I have a life. I have passed the HSC. But I was just, I couldn't understand in like my mind, why was that dream always like recurring? It was, it was quite frustrating because I literally always thought that I was in, I was doing the HSC. And then the other one I remember during the HSC exams is um, whenever we would have a math problem and I couldn't figure it out, this is the interesting thing. When I would go to sleep, my brain would start processing the exact math problem and it would come up with an answer. Like it w I would eventually work it out in my head what the answer was. And I was like, I got to wake up. I got to wake up and write this down. I figured it out. And then I would wake up and I'd completely forget everything. And that's got that's the reason why I didn't do well with my math agency. No, Jake did all right, barely got ninety. <laughs> hey everyone, it's Sam. Um, it's I think this is a very very fascinating topic, and the reason why we we are talking about it was two days ago. I think my wife had a very vivid dream. So we were sleeping. It might have actually been this Saturday. No, what's what's today? Sunday. Yeah, it was Saturday morning. And I was like, like, kind of like half asleep in a daze. And I remember just hearing a voice saying, like, saying like, oh my God, oh my God, like, um, help me with something, some, something dramatic. And then I, I kind of got, yeah, it was 5.30 in the morning, something like that. And I, I kind of like, 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 it's okay, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, what's going on? I felt like legitimately something major happened. But then we both, I think we just went back to sleep. But it was, it was, it was so weird because it was like, I was half here, half not here. I was like, did I hear this voice in my dreams? Was it a reality? I, I don't know. But anyway, and then, and then my wife got to describing the, the dream and all this stuff. And it was really like out there. And hearing you talk, Eli, about your experiences and, and your recurring dreams, I actually thought we would have um, very similar experiences, see? But I never, ever um, dreamt about anything chasing me, let alone an animal chasing me. And so that that for me is, is very is very unusual that you have this dream of like being chased specifically by an animal or you think is an animal mm. and then you you never see it and that's a recurring dream of yours because it stopped. it stopped right my recurring dream back in the day actually always kind of centered around um, me being in an exam situation or having an assignment and either me failing the exam or not having prepared for the exam. And it normally had like for me, it, at one point it was so common um, after graduating university and it always came back to law school and basically me um, 
failing that subject, failing that exam, therefore failing that subject and not getting my degree. And everyone had moved on with life and got past university and all that. And I was the one left behind and I would always feel distraught. And then I, was, then I, would, I remember like in that dream, the recurring dream, it's always this constant fear like, oh, I have to, um, I have to now take on these other subjects and people are going to find out and blah, blah, blah. And then, it's, then it, yeah, if it's not an exam, it will be an assignment where I'm like, I forgot to do the assignment or they caught me out for plagiarism or something like that. And I remember looking it up and I think the explanation behind it was feelings of inadequacy, um, not feeling that you'll be successful or having these, um, I'm trying, yeah, because as you were talking about it and I was looking it up, um, yeah, an inadequacy or a sense of that your life is out of control. And for me, people that know me, specifically my brother and my wife, they know that I actually kind of like control, not control to, as in controlling other people. Like I like to make sure that my life is in my hands and I'm, I'm able to control my own destiny. Um, and when things kind of get really uh, out of hand and I feel like things are out of control, that really gives me extreme anxiety. And I actually probably become more um, aggressive in a way. Um, as in like, I'm, I'm yeah, I'm definitely more, if, if anyone tries to do make me do something that I don't want to do, or like if I feel like things are just all over the shop, I definitely become more combative or, or, or aggressive um, in trying to kind of bring things back under my um yeah yeah so so the other one was okay so that that's one of my dreams and the other one was this constant dream of um falling and all i don't remember how i get to the point of falling but it's always like something something's happening i'm running or something like that blah blah blah, and then i and i'm falling and i the way i actually wake out wake up from these dreams is I wake up in a very dramatic fashion. I'll be like sleeping and then the dream of me falling happens and, I, and then I just jolt out of bed and I'm like, <gasps> like trying to take, <coughs> excuse me, all that smoking, that's taking, but um, then I'm trying to take a deep breath and I can, in that moment, I genuinely feel like I've died. And I think there was an explanation of what falling means. Again, I think it has to do with like a sense of, um, Losing control. I'll let Amani kind of fact check it and tell me what it is. Apparently it means... Um, but dreaming of falling could mean that you feel insecure, unstable, inadequate or inferior. That could be it. Um, anxious, yep. Overwhelmed, yep. Out of control, yeah. And with the, with the jolting, I and don't know why. One second, I'll just pass the mic. Hi, it's Jamie. <laughs> So Sam also jolts in his sleep. Like I feel it. I wake up from it. I just feel the whole bed shake basically (laughs) and his legs kick me. And even on the couch, like you do it all the time. It's actually something that you do like often. But apparently just as you're about to hit the surface, your legs jerk and you wake up with a start. A motion that saves you from the fall. It's a discombobulating way to wake up. Hypnic jerks are sudden involuntary muscle contractions that actually, sorry, that usually occur just as you're falling asleep. It's something that affects 60 to 70% of people. The exact cause isn't clear, but one symptom of a hypnic jerk is a sense of falling. 
Sometimes there's an overlap between hypnic jokes and a dream of falling. This phenomenon probably has more to do with your body falling asleep than your mind trying to tell you something. Joking awake from a falling dream feels like you've been saved. It also makes it more likely that you'll recall this dream later. But you don't have to fear not waking up. Hitting bottom or dying in a dream won't kill you. Yeah, so that's very interesting. So I guess I can't believe 60 or 70% of people experience the jolt thing. So I don't think do you have yeah. the jolt. I haven't probably picked up on it around you. I actually know I have picked up on it around you. Um, but yeah, so it's like it's, it's super interesting because those are my recurring dreams. And I've heard other people say like they, they dream of their teeth falling out. Um, I've really? heard, yeah. Hold on, dude, that's a common one. Yeah, like I, I always found that weird. I was like, what do you mean you're, you dream of like, your teeth? That's a common one. Randomly yeah. just moving and then uh, falling out. Another one for me is. Wait, wait, can I jump yeah. in? So I just wanted to jump in because when I was reading the list, I, I saw that, that people dream about a common one is people losing their teeth. But I was like, okay, I looked at it from my perspective, I'm like, who the hell dreams yes. about? <laughs> so I didn't know that. But what it means, what it means, according to Google, um, it might mean that you are worried about your attractiveness or appearance, for instance. Interesting. <laughs> so I clearly don't worry about my attractiveness and appearance. Um, it may also indicate that you are concerned about your ability to communicate or that you are concerned that you might have said something embarrassing. This is very interesting. Um, yeah, sorry. Back to you. Yeah, and I don't know if other people experience this, but this used to happen a lot when I was a child. When I say child, like a teenager as well. This this was a recurring dream, like not a recurring dream, a recurring theme in a dream where I'll be like, something terrible has happened. And let's say, for example, like there's an intruder, right, in the home. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, I go to inspect downstairs or something like, mm-hmm. this is particularly when we had like, I mean, we still live in like um, double story. But like in our previous home, even in, in the more recent home, be like, okay, there's an intru- there's some sort of noise. Mm. And then I go to inspect the noise. And then I s- all of a sudden I see this person in our home. It's like late at night. And all I want to do is like yell to warn everyone. Mm. But then it's like I can't, like my, I'm, I'm opening my mouth to yell, but nothing is coming out. Like I'm, it's this like soundless screaming. And I just want to say, like, help me, help me type thing. And then, you know, no one, had, like, like, no one's able to hear me because it's like a soundless screaming. Mm-hmm. And then I end up getting whatever, like, killed or something like that. Or, like, I just end up waking up in, from, from a jolt. I, I was trying to look it up what that meant. But I don't know if you guys have ever experienced it. Amanda, do you want to quickly jump in or should I jump in here? I had a different point. So oh, okay. So I just typed in dreams about a home intruder. Um it says basically so it says dreams of intruders are often a sign of something unwanted and something to be feared from they also could indicate a lack of security uh it's just loading oh you've got worked it out so apparently it says here it's like soundless screaming basically is indicative of um your you're unable to express your feelings properly, which is very interesting. Um, I think that's pretty true because I am somewhat, I, I did previously struggle very much to kind of really convey my feelings. Um, and I was a bit emotionally blocked. Well, I felt like I couldn't truly express 
how certain things or certain people made me feel. Um, but th those were the common kind of themes around the dreams that I would experience. And there was a period, I'll pass it on to you, Maddie, in a second, because it looks like you have something to say. But there was a period where like, I didn't dream for like two years. And it's interesting because I think I was saying that to your manager, my wife's manager the other day, we were visiting his place and we were talking about dreams because his dream was also interesting. His one was to do with, again, exams. I think it was 20 a, for 20 years he had the same recurring same dream. dream. Yeah, and he's like failing an exam or he didn't study for the exam. He had an exam, but he... Oh, he went, I'll pass it to you. But yeah, I, just, I was just mentioning that I, there was a period where I didn't dream for two years. I was like, what is, how does that just switch off? Hey, it's Jamie again. Um, uh, so my manager had a recurring dream for 20 years where he knew he had an exam and he knew he had to study and then time was ticking away and as time was ticking away, he had less and less time to study to the point where he was overstressing about not having enough time to study for the exam and the fear of like failing the exam because of not studying for the exam would like shake him basically to his core. And he had this dream basically up until like he was in his mid thirties and he had like long finished exams, long finished everything. And then one day it just like stopped on its own. But with dreams, um, can I share the one that I had? Yeah. So the one that kept me up was. I just wanted to quickly, I just looked it up. What dreams about your exams mean? And according to Google here, it says, if, you dream, if your dream involves seeing yourself sitting an exam, then you feel that your moral beliefs are being tested. This dream is associated with self-criticism and the need to achieve high expectations in your life. If you're sitting an exam in the dream, it can indicate that you are experiencing anxiety, especially if things keep going wrong. This is a common dream and probably one of the most popular. So the dream that kept me up or actually working up at 5.30 in the morning was that there was a yacht in an enclosed kind of marina area and then beyond the marina was the sea. But the sea was like very choppy so the only way in which to stop these yachts from going out and for people to have pleasant enjoyment of these yachts was for them to be in an enclosed marina. And at the front of the marina was one yacht and I had gone onto the yacht with my dad, mom, and younger sister. And I had signed up to um, adult cardio swimming lessons. But it was on like some weird like super yacht that had like multiple levels. And I went downstairs, which is where the pool area was located, indoor heated pool. And I saw a bunch of people and they had like a induction basically. And they said, tomorrow guys, we'll start our program come here 8 a.m. sharp, we're going to start our swimming lessons. And, you know, and by all means, you know, use the amenities. There's a spa, there's a sauna. And it's basically like a two-story, like, spa, sauna and steam room. And I was like, wow, this is fantastic. And then as I was back on the yacht, like, at the front of the part of the yacht where you can look out, basically, I was standing with my dad. And I had no idea what my mom and sister were. But I looked up to the sky. And you know how you could see the moon during daytime? So it was a full moon in daytime, but then there was another crescent moon overlapping the full moon also during the daytime. So there were either two moons or the moon had basically split into two separate moons. 
and were simply at different cycles within the moon stage. And then they basically collided and I was like, oh my God, like it's a daytime, like solar eclipse kind of thing, but it actually wasn't. And all of a sudden it looked like there was, the moon had become a white tsunami in the sky hurling towards us. And I was shouting and like holding on to my dad going, oh my God, like this is it, this is the end. Like this is the end, there's a tsunami coming towards us in the sky. And then it stopped right in front of us because it was the illusion of it coming towards us, but it was actually coming closer in the sky, like outside in the stratosphere, not in our sphere, like well above us. And then it started to rain dust, like just dust, like nonstop, just raining dust. And it was still sunny and the moon was still there, like, but the cloud basically had come to us. It had like stopped and it was just raining like all over for as far back as you could see. And then I said like to my dad, let's go inside. Like let's just sit in the yacht, you know, where it's covered. And then these people started coming onto the yacht. People like faces that I saw very, very vividly and a location that seemed very, very real. And these people did not seem phased by the fact that it was raining dust. They just came onto the boat. They were too, um, um, you know, involved in what their kids were doing. They were ushering their kids onto the boat. They were on their phone. They were checking TikTok. They were doing whatever, but looking up. And I was like, guys, like, can't you see? Like, it's raining dust. Like, it's raining dust. And no one seemed to care. No one even heard me. And then all of a sudden, there was another huge jolt. Like, the entire earth jolted. And the boat shook. And people still didn't look up. And then all of a sudden, it really started to pelt down with dust. And then all of a sudden, people were like, oh, look, our clothes are getting dirty. Let's get on the boat. And no one even thought to themselves, hey, the entire earth just shook. Hey, there's a tsunami in the sky. Hey, there's, you know, a, like a body of like rain, basically, that's dirt or dust or whatever it is. And then the sky became like swells of gray. And the sun was like trying to creep through, but it couldn't. And the funny thing is, on Saturday night, when we were driving, the sky looked exactly the same as in my dream. And I started freaking out. And I was like, this is exactly how it looked like. What the hell? This is so weird. When did you have that dream? Jeez. Saturday morning. Mm. And then Saturday night. Oh, that's when you woke from Yeah. And then Saturday night, that's, the sky looked exactly like it looked in my dream, like the swirls and all that. And I started freaking out. And, but it's interesting because I could see the faces like so vividly and I could see the place so vividly and yet it's actually been scientifically proven that our brains are not actually able to create faces or places from scratch. So what actually happens in your brain is you have a database of faces that you either consciously or subconsciously keep a track of throughout your life. It's like a database in your mind. If you might see a photo of a place and it gets stored, you don't realize it's been stored, but it's been stored. You might see someone's face. You don't remember them, but their face has been stored. And so you might think of like, this is a random person. I've, I've never actually seen this person before, but you might have actually, you, you actually must have come across this person once in your life and they've basically been stored in your brain's database. And so when you come up with a dream, it picks people and it picks places like randomly that you've seen and it puts them together to create like the image. Yeah, so I was while you were talking, I was looking up what your dream could possibly mean. And it's very hard because it's not like I could literally go on Google and type everything that you just described. 
and then there's like some explanation you have to look at kind of not like like a very central elements or like themes or very like strong kind of um, symbolic figures or symbols and so for one dreaming about two moons is pretty rare they said and what it apparently says is that um, it means that you're being pulled by two opposing forces in your life um, they said it's a strong pull and it might throw the dreamer out of balance um, and harmony relating to love moods feminine energy relationships um, but essentially it's you're being you feel like you're being pulled in two different directions on the one hand you're trying to be you're kind of being pulled one in one place or towards one place and then on the other hand something else is trying to kind of pull you back um, and then the ele- the other element which was um, r- basically raining dust again that's a pretty big deal it's i mean it says it symbolizes birth and rebirth sorry yeah so it goes dreaming of dust shows a symbol of life all humans are born from dust and should return to dust so it symbolizes success and a better rebirth so it's interesting it's almost like you know your dream is saying you're getting pulled maybe possibly into a better direction mm-hmm. and maybe there's another opposing force which is again symbolic of the moon the moon has Pressure. gravitational forces I didn't I didn't look up the, the faces thing but it's interesting because you are going through your own journey of growth and you are kind of being pulled this metaphor at least you feel like you're being pulled in two different directions and then the final element the the dust being like symbolic of rebirth or a better rebirth um, is is very interesting so it's like people I don't think a lot of people necessarily look at dreams or take it very seriously a lot of people kind of just wake up like yep that was pretty weird and then go on with the rest of their life or the rest of their day um, which is unfortunate because I feel like you know sometimes our body is telling us you know things or we are receiving messages and I'm not going like woo woo again like receiving messages like from aliens or something something like that but um, life is a bit more complicated I think than people realize when I say complicated I mean like it's not as linear as we think it is there is the metaphysical world i know we talk about the kind of the, the world that we live in here and the world that we can experience in front of us but there is a metaphysical kind of um dimension or element to the world and that's where you know science hasn't really kind of gone down that path just yet i think scientifically what's interesting is they say that when you sleep your prefront prefrontal cortex switches off right so your prefrontal cortex is what's responsible for helping you make rational based decisions or making sense of things right so sometimes if you if you're dreaming of like um i'm not too sure but like a a plane and it's a it's a whale or polar bear that's driving the plane it's because your prefrontal cortex is switched off it doesn't make any sense right it's just like this is absurd Mm -hmm. Right. So that's, this is probably why um, it's it just feels like sometimes that the dream is just an absurdity. But at the same time, what's interesting is maybe because like this is just me theorizing, maybe it's because your prefrontal cortex is switched off, which is the part of your brain. Again, like I said, it's supposed to try to make everything, you know, seem logical or make sense or fit into a nice box. Right. Maybe 
it like you said the, the fact when your prefrontal cortex switches off your brain can actually exit the 3d conscious world mm-hmm. and go into the 5d or 9d or whatever like dimension you want to talk about and like it can cross into the subconscious world and into this metaphysical space and suddenly things that in like that consciously can't make sense start to like you know you're like well hold on like what you know what is what is my brain or body trying to tell me here because according to um the famous psychologist sigmund freud he had a theory about dreams that the reason we dream is that it suggests or that dreams represent basically our unconscious desires thoughts wish fulfillment and motivations right so um like he's i guess he would be considered a rational psychologist anyway um, but you know, I'm, I'm reading also on WebMD that they're saying like many experts say dreams exist to help us solve problems in our lives, right? Um, or incorporate memories or process emotions, which I think is very interesting mm-hmm. because this is WebMD again. It's like they're looking at it from the perspective, I guess, of rationality. But I, I'm thinking back to the math problem. You know, yeah. like it's my brain's trying to help me solve these problems. I just I couldn't figure out. And in my dream state, where my prefrontal cortex is switched off, so it has this like, how's that possible? Mm-hmm. Um, but yet, it and and the interesting thing is what I read is um, the reason we also can't recall most of our dreams because they said that um, on average, even if you don't remember your dreams, you have about five to six of them each night, mm-hmm. right? But they said the reason there's a theory why you can't recall your dreams is because there's just so much going on, like your brain can't store the memory mm. of that uh, dream in, in, in I'm not too sure which part of the brain, but it's just, it, it's just too much to process. It doesn't know how to process it. So we forget um, 95 to 99% of all of our dreams, which again, I think is very interesting because the dreams can be so complex and just like so weird that yeah, maybe perhaps our brain gets overloaded because again, we're, this is the subconscious realm or even the the metaphysical realm, right? Um, another, I just want to talk about this metaphysical part, right? Because I think it's very interesting. This is going to make me sound crazy, but like, honestly, I don't give a shit. So, there are times when I'm sleeping, and I think this they call it lucid dreaming, right? So when you're aware of the fact that you are asleep, I will close my eyes and I will see the eyes open, but I'm looking through the lens of a wolf, <laughs> right and i'm aware of the fact that i'm the wolf and i'm just like what the fudge you know i'm even saying this and i'm i'm tearing up and i'm it makes me feel a bit like worried or whatever and i just i don't know, don't even know how to explain it or why but the interesting thing is i've always had like this obsession or fascination and i don't overtly show it right like you probably don't even know about it as my, as my brother but i um I always had this fascination with wolves and I can't explain why because they're very intimidating creatures. They can be quite, um, I guess, you know, scary. But like when I'm dreaming, like it's like I close my eyes and I open into this like, and Amani was interested when I heard her say this earlier off, off, like offline, she was saying um, sometimes there's this theory or not sometimes, but there's this theory about dreams that when you, when you sleep, you cross into another portal, another... Oh, it's a Manny's theory. Sorry, it's a Manny Jabin's theory. <laughs> Jelly Bean's theory. Uh, oh, sorry. Wipe that, guys. Scrap that. It's Jamie. <laughs> so, so it's interesting um, because um, one, 
I always had a fascination with wolves and I would like when I would I wouldn't go out of my way to read things about them but I would come across for example an article so for example um, dogs like the, all dogs come from one single um, ancestor common ancestor which is the gray wolf like we've obviously just domesticated and, and bred um, a lot of features that we wanted that we thought were pleasant to get the dogs that we have today and the variety that we have but they all they all come from the gray wolf and then there's other aspects in my life like in my room i have like um you know this metal portrait of a wolf that basically is looking at me and every time i look at the wolf like there's just something that resonates with me like i'm looking at it and i'm just like what the hell about like what is it about this animal that is just so captivating to me? and i just can't explain it and then the other one is one time i was watching this documentary and they were basically talking about how in a wolf um the, the the leaders of the pack of the wolves don't actually so when they're like traversing or walking through like a valley or a desert or whatever it is the strongest wolves and the leaders and the strongest ones don't lead from the front they lead all the way from the back because the weak wolves the older wolves they're very slow they're vulnerable so they always fall behind so the strongest ones will align themselves at the back of the um uh, at the back of the pack to protect the weak and the vulnerable right and i, I when i when i thought because you don't know this this about wolves but like they're community creatures too right but i was thinking that is so fascinating because like you look at them and you think like these guys are intimidating but look about look at how they care so much about um the weak the vulnerable and i, I could relate to that and so i just anyways i digress but i just thought is very interesting when i heard amani's point i didn't i didn't raise it um with her but yeah there are times when i sleep I feel like it's like my eyes open. It's not always, but sometimes it's like I'll close it. And I'm like, um, is this a past life? <laughs> like, am I? Is did I? Was I? I mean, this this is this, this sounds a bit crazy even to me. But it's like, could it be a person was like a wolf in their past life? I, I don't even know, right? Because this then it goes into this whole idea of like incarnate reincarnation and stuff. And like, you know, I don't know how like how well that align, aligns with my belief system. But I just think it's interesting um that like that ex that i have this experience and like they have i have this res like i resonate so much with with um with these creatures yeah I, I actually don't think um it's that strange at all and i mean you have this affinity with this connection with this like spirit animal or, or something like that it could just be like a manifestation or representation of something inside of you um and what I, what I find interesting is like, it's, it's not, it's like what dreaming does, or like what sleep, first of all, does, it allows us to tap into this like subconscious part of our brains. Um, and that's why I think it's very difficult to kind of remember what the dream was about because it, it falls in the subconscious mind. Um, so you've got the conscious mind, which is, you know, what we, we kind of use in our day to day. And then there's the subconscious mind. The subconscious mind is always there. But it seems like we're only really able to tap into it in a state of um, sleep. But also, there are other ways of tapping into the subconscious mind, which we obviously all know about, which is through drugs. And when I say drugs, I'm talking about like, you know, LSD, psilocybin, all that. Because when people say they go on trips and it's very like out there, psychedelic and all that, I, I actually think all they've done is 
they've literally kind of been able to trigger that part of the brain that gets normally triggered when you're when you're asleep and they're actually like when they're getting really tripped out what they're doing is they're actually experiencing that and being conscious of that experience because they're not yeah yeah like a lucid dreaming and i was like i'm not saying like drugs are good or anything like that i'm just saying like in a weird way drugs are like a portal to this world where rather than being asleep and and again forgetting about it it, we can tap into the subconscious mind and when you when you have tapped into the subconscious mind and you actually like watching everything in front of you and it seems completely chaotic nonsensical and whatnot um but there is something there and it's funny because after a lot of people have these experiences um they have these deep deep realizations so it's like from this chaotic population of random events and you know distortions and everything people come out and they'll be like i just realized like we're all connected and we're all one and like you know racism is bad and um for example like they have if people previously had a lot of anger or resentment or something like all of a sudden they've just let go and then if you ask them to describe what you experienced they, they it's like someone's like i imagined like a big teddy bear or something or like a massive panda um or like i was dancing with a wolf or something it's something so ridiculous but it leads to this really transcend transcendental ex, um experience if that if that's the right word but there's a key difference between what you're saying and what eli is saying which is eli knows that he's dreaming he's aware of the fact that he is not in a realistic conscious state like it's a it's a state of like a dream basically it's actually interesting because so the first person to ever write about lucid dreaming was actually aristotle in a book called on dreams that he wrote but he says here i looked it up online plato wrote that the faculty of reason is suspended during sleep which is true but his pupil aristotle said that when we are asleep there is something in our consciousness that tells us that what we are experiencing is only a dream beyond merely describing lucid dreams he also sought to explain how such a thing could happen he argued that if someone were to place his finger directly in front of your eyes without your observing him doing it the result would be seeing a double image causing you to believe that you were seeing two fingers if on the other hand you are to observe his finger as it nears your eye you would not be misled by your double vision into believing that there were actually two fingers exactly so is in the state of sleep aristotle continued if the sleeper perceives that he is asleep and is conscious of the sleeping state during which the perception comes before his mind it presents itself still but something within him speaks to this effect so basically what he's saying is if i was to if your eyes were closed and i put my finger right in front of your eyes and you opened your eyes you would see you would think that i was holding up two fingers but if your eyes were open as i was bringing my finger towards your face you would know that it was in fact one finger and as it came closer to you you observed it to be two but i cannot trick your mind because you already knew it was one finger from the start mm. so in the same way that if you're asleep for example right and you've got like a and you know i am now asleep like you've already got that thing in your mind i know i'm asleep mm. and i know therefore that this is a dream 
it's harder to trick your brain into believing that what is actually happening is not a dream, which is what, what a lucid dream basically is. But if on the other hand, you don't really know that you're asleep because you're just tired and you fell asleep and then you had a dream, you can't really differentiate that from reality anymore. And so it cannot be defined as a dream. So it can't be defined as a lucid dream. But interestingly enough, I had um, sleep paralysis for many years. So sleep paralysis is a little bit different from lucid dreaming in the sense that you're asleep, but you don't know that you're asleep. You think you're awake. And then your brain basically starts to create false characters that look and feel real around you. So you basically, you know, like you're in a bed, you know, you're awake. And you know this thing in the room is like in the same room as you. And you're like, but where the hell did you come from? Like, why are you in my room? And you can't like, you can't tell if you're awake or asleep. So you think you're actually awake and you're like trying to wake everyone up around you. And like, can't you see what this is? And no one can see it because it's not real because you're asleep. You're not actually like awake. But it's actually interesting because it's actually a manifestation of trauma. And I only found this out back in 2020 when I had a diagnosis of something anyway and basically what the psychologist told me was the way in which trauma or any any kind of thing is processed in your brain is in four separate quadrants i think Sammy, can you look up the four quadrants of the brain but basically in order to like process something and to fully deal with it you need to, your brain basically has to break it down and then sep- can then compartmentalize each portion of it into one of the four into like the four separate quadrants but if you haven't dealt with it which is what trauma is it's like an unresolved kind of like emotion your brain starts to create characters it knows that when you're asleep you don't have your walls up you you're like basically helpless because like you said your prefrontal cortex is turned off it's not active and so that concept of you being conscious and aware of your thoughts goes away so you can't actually control what you're thinking you can't control how your brain is working and so various other parts of your brain take over and so it creates the character in order to assist you to deal with the trauma and it's only when you've dealt with the character so basically the trauma manifests itself in a different form so it's like i know you don't want to call it for example x so i'm going to bring it about in this specific character in this specific way because this is the way that your brain basically understands what this is in a visual form and it's only when you're able to like overcome that character is it that your brain's actually managed to compartmentalize that trauma into the four separate quadrants in the brain which is very different to lucid dreaming but also very interesting i think before you can correct me if i'm wrong this might be not what you're talking about is it like analytical experimental practical and relational no, it's not that like frontal lobe something but it's, it's, it's a different one it's observational it's like uh it's a different one. It's yeah like, yeah okay i think i have a rough idea of what you're referring to um i'll just pass it on to eli i'll, let, I'll leave sam to keep researching that that's very interesting i didn't know that so the, I'm, I'm trying to think to myself like is your brain creating those characters so that they appear less harmful and that you're able to process no, and deal with it? Or the character might be, might be more harmful, yeah, right? Yeah, your brain doesn't want to, for example, let's say, for example... Oh, I'll just pass the mic. So let's say, for example, um, you grew up and you saw, for example, 
um, your friend at school, like, getting, like, beaten, like, every day from other kids around in school, right? And so in your mind, right, you've associated, like, some sort of, like, post-traumatic stress disorder every single time, like, you might see a child with a bruise, right? That might be a trigger for you. You might be like, oh, my God, like, this means that this kid's getting abused every day and this is what this means. And then you, like, start to, like, hyperventilate and it takes you back into that point in time. And I'm helpless and how am I supposed to help this person out? And, like, um, I can't... How am I supposed to process my emotions? So, but in your working state, you're like, oh, yeah, like, I've dealt with my emotions. Like, I'm not triggered by that. Like, it's fine. But you haven't subconsciously, right? And you can trick your body into believing that you have, right? But the body keeps score, right? So your body knows exactly, your body knows exactly that it actually hasn't dealt with it. Your, your brain's like, I know when you're awake, you say you've dealt with it, but hey, just wait until you fall asleep. And so your brain, for example, when I was wedding planning, I, I had a, um, sleep paralysis. And one night I was awake and I got really scared. I was like sleeping, but like awake, as in like, I felt like I was awake. And I saw this doctor in my room with like a gas mask, like the Germany, like sort of style, like bunker, like gas masks. And I got really scared. I was like, and I could hear like, there's like an oxygen tank attached to this doctor. And he was wearing like the coat and he had like a notepad. And I could just see like the breathing and it was coming towards me. And I held like my blanket, like really tight going, what the hell is this? And at first, like, I was really scared and he'd, like, inspect me and, like, he'd take the covers off and he'd, like, look at me and he'd, like, start taking notes, like, really close to my face. And I got so, I'm like, oh, my God, like, what the hell's happening? Like, go away. Like, wh- why are you here? And then this character stayed for months, like, would just come every single night, visit me, do the checks and then leave after the check was finished. And then occasionally he'd just monitor me overnight and just stand in the corner and watch me sleep and then occasionally take notes and then I thought about it logically and I'm like okay but this is a doctor right so like what do doctors usually do they check up on their patients you see a doctor when something is wrong with you right so that means that this is and I didn't this is well before I went to the psychologist right I was like this is obviously like my mind telling me something the doctor is here I'm stressed I'm overwhelmed right a part of my brain knows that I need to deal with my stress and my anxiety. And this is my brain telling me exactly what's wrong. It's telling me this character is here for you to understand what your diagnosis is. And it's only when you accept your diagnosis and it's only when you deal with what you're going through that this character will disappear. But until you do that, it's going to come every single night, scare the crap out of you and take notes. Wow, that is crazy, man. When, I, when I'm listening to this, I'm like, shit, that makes so much sense. Yeah. Like, that really makes a lot of sense. Interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> and Manny, with all the interesting facts here, I'm not too sure how to... I'm, I'm struggling to process and explain this, but I think you're onto something there. Yeah. I'm sure there's papers and probably research on this, but I think that's very... yeah. It's very crazy. Wild. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> like Joe Rogan. <laughs> Woo! That's what he does, right? Yeah. But um, see, sleep paralysis is a very, very interesting topic. And I don't think a lot of people understand what sleep paralysis is completely. I remember when um, coming across it a long time ago, before I even 
met you and then when you told me you had these dreams well not these dreams but you would experience sleep paralysis i think you were even surprised that i knew knew about it see with sleep paralysis it's like it's a whole nother level like sleep like everyone a lot of people dream but when you experience sleep paralysis like essentially what it is is and i haven't experienced it myself but i know it's very common amongst amongst women but um I think I did read that. yeah so what happens is that you go to sleep and something you know some weird whacked out um dream is happening but for the people who are experiencing sleep paralysis it's almost like they've actually woken up and they feel like they're re- legitimately awake but their body is completely paralyzed and they are like conscious in their bodies and they can they, their eyes are wide open and they're like observing like anyone who's listening right now what you're seeing around you they feel like it's exactly that the only problem is um to them it's no longer a dream it's like this is real this is reality and sleep paralysis can last for as long as you know like god knows how many hours in 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 the dream world and it feels so real and they feel like they're trapped um but the sleep paralysis is definitely i think the brain's way of healing and a lot of people try to resist it or fight it or they get scared of it for years and what it is it's like almost like a simulation that the brain is playing out for you to kind of heal from a very deep trauma as far as i understand because you're not the first person that's told me about their sleep paralysis story you know and there's someone else that you, you and i know and she told me her sleep paralysis um story and she was in a very abusive relationship this is domestic violence you know um and this person was a very jacqueline hyde kind of character love bombs one moment you know does some pretty unhealthy unacceptable things and during the course of that relationship she was afraid to go to sleep every night because she in in, in her mind every time she knew that she was about to go to sleep she ends up experiencing sleep paralysis where she pictures herself um being trapped in a cage like a bird right so apparently she's like all she knows is as soon as she goes to sleep this this kind of beast this monster whatever it is tells her to get in the cage and for the whole night she feels like she's just stuck in a cage and trapped right and like hour goes by by hour goes by by and she knows it, like you know however long a person sleeps like seven or eight hours and she's like i'm so af- i was at one point so afraid to constantly go to sleep because i knew that i would end up in this like alternative world where this monster or this beast you know would lock me up in a cage and she didn't understand she didn't draw the connections with domestic violence or anything like that i was the one that kind of pointed it out to her. i was like like i knew that some background i was like but do you not think this was like kind of a uh, a representation or a or a manifestation mm-hmm. of you feeling like trapped in this relationship and you were like with this kind of like bestial like human being who's who's, who's who lacks empathy or who's so controlling and like it is it's weird because it didn't occur to them but i was like it's your brain is trying to heal it's like telling, telling you at that point and she didn't end up you know leaving that relationship after 10 years or nine years Did the dream stop um no it didn't because it, we, never dealt with it because they never dealt with it that's why they never dealt with it and, and that person is still in in their life you oh. know 
in a way like they never really let go of that connection and, and in some way like they, they was they were trauma bonded and they have this like desire to get it, it's it's like there's more to the story and obviously it's a lot more complex but um and i can guarantee that you know there are many cases of a lot of people experiencing sleep paralysis because historically i've read you know people have these um paranormal experiences at least they think they did and and they're so convinced that it, it actually happened but most of it probably couldn't be explained by sleep paralysis where what you actually thought to be real wasn't real but it felt so real like right now when we're sitting here right now this is how they're experiencing it but actually it was literally you know your brain going into this alternative state of of healing um so you know maybe you experience some some otherworldly beings right because this is where people talk about and I mean, it, it might be a bit of like a like a dark or even scary topic, but like, I, I'm not to, like put religion on the side. Like, I know some people will be like, we like experience jinn. So jinn are like um, spiritual, you know, creatures from a parallel dimension, and it's very common amongst the Middle East in culture. And, and yeah, it's pre-Islamic, it's pre-Islamic the concept of jinn, like genies. That's what jinn are, right? These like spiritual beings. And, you know, other civilizations, you know, even even Western civilization, they talk about spirits and whatever. And some people have like really recall having these direct experiences with these other beings. And the truth is, I've read that it's not necessarily the case. It could simply be these a lot of these people have um, experienced sleep paralysis. The difference, I think, in your case was as you got older, you, you, you kind of became more aware and you're like and it's a recurring thing um and you say to yourself i know this isn't real but it feels so real um but you also took it on board as like my brain at one point excuse me at one point was saying there is something wrong you know and a lot of people a lot of people suppress like their traumas or like the negative experiences in in their life or they just literally dismiss these kind of um like experiences as like ah whatever it's just another weird strange dream or something like that but i don't think it is our brains are incredibly powerful the you're talking about if you look at it from the point of like evolution our brains evolved over god knows how many millions of years supposedly right and even if you if we don't believe in evolution our brains are so complicated that no, we, as human beings, we, we will never be able to recreate the human brain. It's, it's almost impossible. I know there's like supercomputers and all this stuff, but to replicate consciousness, to replicate the ability like to pick up on the minest, sorry, not the most minute kind of details or sorry, sensory experiences. There was like one guy I saw the other day, there was a video of um, a surfer who's a very surf, famous surfer, something handing I'm trying to remember. Um, and he was... This, happened, this event happened six years ago that was caught on video where um, he got attacked by a shark while surfing. But luckily he, he survived and like the shark, you know, r- r- eventually kind of left him alone and they saved, they saved him from um, the water. And he's, he was saying like something weird happens. Like even though I didn't see the shark, before the shark attacked him or his surfboard, he's like, I sensed its presence. See, how, how, do, how do you kind of like understand that? How do, when you say to someone like, I sensed it, like a person who's so literal be like, but did you see it? No. 
did you hear it no did you smell it did you smell it no it's like did but how it? did, did you touch it? it yeah it's like there's something like this intuitive sense and the brain is, i'm saying like it's so complicated it's able to process so many different variables and sensory experiences and nuances beyond like hearing taste smell touch whatever and that's what i'm saying and when people kind of dismiss the power of dreams i don't care like most religions actually do hold this i just was just looking it up just then view that dreams ha- hold real significance and meaning be it islamically christian um, christians hold uh, also say the same thing hindus um buddhists so to, aztecs, yeah aztecs egyptians, ancient egyptians that's right aborigines oh aborigines put a big emphasis on on dreams right as they call it the, the dream time or or dreaming yeah yeah I, I just wanted to make a point about like the idea that I even asked the guys this question before. Like, do you operate always from a position of, of logic? Because for me, one of the biggest frustrations is, as Sam was saying it, is not everything can be explained or rationalized through the logical like logical mind. So I just sometimes struggle to understand when, when people want to be like, you know, um, instead of driven by their feelings, which isn't like, also optimal like there needs to be a balance because your feelings you know it's not a great engine to be operating from but it's just like well i'm 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 feeling this way right and your feelings i i would i would say fall into the outside of your six senses probably because it's more it goes into your gut and your intuition so they will say for example i i need to rationalize it through the the logical like mind like does it like you said like I'm so that for example that that gut feeling sometimes you have that something is not right like something is about to happen like that's an energetic feeling that somehow your body again our body is made up of atoms atoms essentially energy right so you're picking up on that sense your body somehow who knows how and so so like say something's bad is about to happen or I know this person is bad news or whatever because it's picking up on on energy but like the frustration I have is like again if you if if a person is black and white and only operates from the prism of um, logic, then it's just like, this doesn't make any sense. Therefore, I'm going to dismiss it. Um, but yet, like, I'm sure most people in life have experienced it, that, 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 that feeling. And when I say gut feeling, I mean, it has to come. So they say, if you want to listen and trust your gut, because your gut can easily be um, hijacked by your nervous system or your mind if it's not um, regulated, right? So sometimes you, your gut feeling might be misaligned, but they say if you feel calm, if you feel like at peace with yourself and you have this gut feeling that, for example, something bad's about to happen or this person is bad news, then they say trust that intuition, you know. Assuming your nervous system is regulated. Assuming your nervous system is regulated because because that's, that's when you say you can trust your gut. Your gut. Because if it's dysregulated, exactly. If it's dysregulated, it, it, it might confuse the message as like your gut feeling might say, oh, this person's bad news, right? But it's not that it's just exciting, but let me explain it. So you're kind of like putting words in my mouth. But like it's from what I, from what I understand is they say, um, for example, if, you, if, if your um, general experience or f- uh, familiar experience is that, um, you know, a person who yells, who is aggressive, whatever, that's your norm, right? Your nervous system is regulated to the point to think that oh yeah it's it's normal for a person to yell to scream or to be controlling or whatever like that's my baseline so then you meet a person who is um calm um who is you know just soft-spoken 
um, you know, just very a, a good listener, whatever it is. So you're, if your nervous system is hijacked because your baseline is thinking that's normal and this is abnormal, your gut feeling might be saying, oh, this is bad news. So this is why I just make the point of like um, in terms of just trusting your intuition, but your intuition, your, your, your actual foundation in terms of what they said, your gut feeling, you need to feel not these like weird feelings. It needs to come from a place of um, calmness and, um, oh, okay, like this, something seems off here, you know? So um, just, yeah, on that, I just wanted to bring up that point of um, logic versus... So we've almost hit the timeline, but I just wanted to raise something. And um, this is on that, on that point, animals are really good at kind of picking up on people's energy mm-hmm. and picking up and, and, and kind of working based on their intuition, mm-hmm. right? They're not like humans, they're a lot better. And I, I've seen this with um, dogs specifically. So there's one incident I remember, it was like two years ago, we were in Turkey and we were at a hair salon and I was getting my hair cut and then my wife was getting her hair straightened or blow, blow dried. Um, and what happened was everything was great and, and, and I guess in Europe and Turkey they have like little dogs that, that, that people bring with them to work um, to the hair salons and all. it's like a very common thing. And like, I remember the vibe was so good. There was nice music. We were all having good conversations. And then this dog was like super calm and like very friendly. And when we walked in, it wasn't in any way aggressive. It was like, it was very like affectionate or very quiet, but it kind of wanted in, um, some sort of connection. And then all of a sudden this, this guy, he looked a bit dodgy. I remember walked into um, the salon and all of a sudden this dog just went nuts just went blah, 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 and then started chasing and the guy who looked like 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 a, like a, I guess a dangerous dude he you should just see the panic on his face and then he's tried to try to hide away from the dog and all that stuff and then the owners of the salon tried to calm the dog down and then the the guy who was managing the salon turns around and and he's like he laughs um, laughs towards me he's like he's a bad man and I was like, what do you mean? He's like, see, he's like, if you paid attention, when you guys walked in, the dog didn't, you know, react in any aggressive way. And as soon as he walked in and he looked like a dodgy character, not to say just based on appearances, but the dog, its intuition was telling it something. And he wanted this man out of the salon. And the other, the other, other experiences were, um, for example, like particularly my wife, every time we go for our walks, animals naturally gravitate towards her and they like and i she pointed it out to me as well but also i've I've picked it up on it myself and today i was like let me test this theory i said to my wife i see a a person walking with their dog and they're coming towards us i'm going to move out of the way and i want you just to walk normally and i want to see how the dog reacts towards you and as soon as she got close enough to the dog, the dog started to move, veer away from its owner and really stretch the leash, the, its leash hard. And it just wanted to like interact with her and it was licking her. And it was like, I looked at the dog's facial expressions and it's almost like it was weirdly smiling. And why, why I feel, feel like this is important is because I feel like both young children, again, and animals, because they're, they're not clouded by all of these... Um, conditioning and all of this stuff like they they trust their intuition a lot more because the world hasn't really clouded them as much and they they're more innocent so children and babies gravitate towards her really well as do as do animals 
because I know my my wife's heart is actually incredibly pure. Like she has almost the like some people might meet and think she's very childlike, right? And even people might think you're naive. You know, um, you're very like you, you aren't as cunning or as manipulative as as other people around in in the world. Um, and I've I've seen this with my own personal experience, like. I tend to do well with children. I tend to do well with animals. You tend to do a lot better for, for, for interesting reasons. Um, and I think I've seen it with you. You're, my brother, particularly with children, young children, like they really light up around you. Um, and you've, you, you're definitely in a better state than I am in terms of your, like, your journey in life. Um, and I think always look at how children react around certain individuals adults or or, or animals because their level of intuition is so heightened um, that I, I kind of use them as a as a test to determine whether or not I should be around a particular person um, and there are people out there that, who kind of understand this particularly with like um, children where they try like you, have you ever seen an adult where like they they like I'm really good with kids and then they grab that child and the child's <laughs> and you're like what what is going on and this person's like no no like normally I'm really good with children it's like are you or do you want to convince the world that you are because you're trying to project a particular image because children aren't dumb uh, <laughs> I was just gonna say um, you know before how you would, we were talking about how dreams have been a part of a lot of ancient civilizations and I like oh sorry Eli you were talking about <laughs> <laughs> like giving up all of our identities anyway but <laughs> ATO hasn't paid his taxes <laughs> but um, um, Eli was talking about how you could just feel energetically if someone is off you know you're either drawn to them or repelled by them and it's interesting because we know so little about the world that we live in we know so little about our own bodies even even our own brain so you know like for example scientists say oh, dream interpretation is a load of rubbish and they're, they're only now starting to really look into it but you know they say oh like what's in what's in our brain oh yeah there's a there's a bit in your brain and the rest is like gray matter it's like is it really though like is it gray matter or is it that you just don't understand it it's like junk dna yeah, is it really junk the 97 percent junk dna is it really junk dna or is it that you just don't know what it is it's like a void space in the universe like any part that's not taken up by like a galaxy or like um like a universal like like a spatial structure or something like that they call it like void space it's like what is dark void matter. yeah dark matter no dark matter is different because it's actually is the building block of galaxies but putting that to one side so they call it like void space it's like what's here oh yeah just nothing and i'm just like is it nothing or is it that you just don't understand it so you're just calling it nothing so i think in terms of like even dream interpretation like we have such a long 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 way to go and i think a lot of people who kind of are more skewed towards looking at things from a logical perspective rather than more of like an uh, um like a metaphysical like perspective they brush aside things that they cannot like conceptualize in like a material kind of like real form because they can't like comprehend it it goes beyond their level of comprehension but the way i look at it is 
in order to really like understand science you need to dive into the spiritual realm you need to dive into the metaphysical realm otherwise the way that you perceive life is very limited you're not going to theorize you know something if your brain can't conceptualize that theory because you're not willing to dive into that space of your consciousness or your intuition or whatever because you're like oh no I'm just a logical person it's like everyone's got logic and everyone's got feelings and everyone's got like illogical thoughts and everyone's got everything right but it's like when you um, kind of try and put your logical state on a pedestal to say I'm just a logical person what you're actually doing is you're uh, watering down or you're not like basically what you're admitting to is that every other part of you is substantially underdeveloped that's basically what it is I agree with Manny's point, and I wanted to say, and thanks for exposing me. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, I paid my taxes. No, the the other thing I want I wanted to say was, um, so uh, there's this interesting thing that I read about this. Um, uh, I'm not going to go into too much detail because we are over the time, but the, I forget the name of the actual tree in Africa, right? But they talk about how this is on the point of intuition, yeah. Or not intuition, but like the like the other senses that we don't know about. So this tree, when giraffes and elephants come and approach it to eat the leaves of the tree, right? So obviously when they're eating the leaves, the tree is in distress. This is a part of the tree. So the tree, and we can't see this, but it actually releases a, a scent or, or a chemical um, a chemical scent that gets carried by the wind to the other trees say like um down south or up north or whatever it is they release ethylene gas the acacia tree that's it it's the acacia tree and so the other acacia trees then get um alerted about the fact that there are elephants or giraffes or whatever these predators in presence so then they basically force the they, they 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 release this chemical in their leaves to make the leaves bitter so that the giraffe and the elephants won't eat their leaves and so and the elephants and giraffes actually know that so they won't eat the leaves of the surrounding trees right and this is and so Sam's showing they produce tannin a toxin that makes the leaves poisonous and lethal if overconsumed giraffes try avoiding this by eating trees down downwind from another yeah so like i just thought it was really interesting because again like to manny's point like you can see the world black and white and logical and it's just like you know it's what i see in front of me it's like um you know the elephant or the giraffe is eating this tree and they've just chosen not to eat the other but like there's this whole invisible world of things that we don't even know that's happening around us so yeah, I just thought that's really interesting. And then like we can go down this rabbit hole because I, I read this book about trees and fungi and, and I don't even know why. I didn't get through all of it, but how um, trees actually communicate um, through the ground, through the root network using fang fungi. Um, maybe we can talk about it next podcast. And like, it's just the, what blew my mind. I'll just talk about it quickly now. But um, so, you know, they, 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 there's this uh, forest in Germany, right? And uh, basically, they did this like experiment. I can't remember how the Lumjacks or so, however they came to this conclusion. But so they chopped one tree down to its stump, right? And so trees need sunlight and carbon dioxide to, to you know 
to basically create their food through photosynthesis, right? So when you cut a tree down to the stump, it can't manufacture the nutrients that it needs to enable its growth. So they've cut the tree down to its stump, and then they, they, they found this really weird thing happened. Like, why is the tree in this forest that's surrounded by other trees trying to regrow itself? And how? How is it getting the nutrients to regrow itself? And what they actually discovered is that it's trying to regrow from the stump like it's trying to re regrow the plant matter from the stump yeah and so they're just like that's that's weird but with like the tree is cut how is this possible right um again because you need to have sunlight yeah. carbon dioxide you need the leaves right so they, they what they discovered was the root system in the forest is so interconnected like these trees um that certain trees who they said were the actual parent trees because remember a tree forms from a seed and that seed comes from another tree. So they found that certain trees will send and direct micro, uh, direct nutrients through the root system and through fung fungi. The fungi also act as a way to connect the root system and basically act as an optic fiber network. Yeah. So they send the message that this tree is being cut, it's in distress. This tree might be the child of another tree or maybe the parent of another tree. So these other trees start sending it nutrients through that network to regrow and they regrow the tree so they said well why doesn't this work in the case of like farms and stuff right it's because in in farms like um the the, the plants lose that sense of community there isn't that root system there isn't the fungi network because like we've just um we've basically sanitized that environment and it's and it, like we've taken out any of the other plant matter like who knows how that they operate but also like the distance between the trees that the, also the trees then get to grow long enough. There isn't that density, you know, etc. And um, I just thought that was and also if a tree is diseased, they will send it nutrients and everything to help it out. And I was just thinking like, like that's an amazing, it's um, an amazing thing. Like the trees are actually a community in themselves. Right, and they're helping one another, and it goes back to the idea of oneness and connection, and also like the things that we can't see, and you know, uh, everything is interconnected. But we continue to try to sanitize things, put it into boxes, you know, control, 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 or like make it like we. Tr yeah, it's really about us trying to control. Anyway, I digress. Maybe we can something we can talk about in the next podcast. Um, I just also wanted to quickly. Um, make one other additional comment since we're talking about dreams and stuff. I just remember I, I heard this something interesting, this theory, which said basically um, when, and I, I've told you guys this before, but like they said, why is it that when babies are born, they like, they come out of the womb crying, mm -hmm. right? And they said, is it possible? And I don't know why I'm telling you guys this, but like, um, is it possible that the babies are actually, um, Essentially, they've just died. They're, they're, they were previously an individual and they've died. And basically, their soul is now um, being transferred across to this new life that's being born. And that baby knows that it's just died. And it's coming out into the world crying because it's mourning, it's grieving, it's, it's death, right? Because why it's interesting is because um, when people die or when some people who are about to die and they come back, they say to them, like, recount your experience. They say, I just saw this bright light. And so when you're in the operating theater, when you when the baby's being born, what is it that they see? The bright lights of the operating room. So I don't know. I just thought this was a very interesting thing. And since we're talking about the esoteric here and, and dreams, I was like, what if that's 
like there's some kind of um, truth to it. Like, wouldn't that be interesting? You know. What about, what about the people who are like ancients and they didn't have operating theaters and people were just being born in the dark? Yeah. But if those people, for if for example, someone who was old or let's say someone who was about to hit the realm of like the world of the dead, basically maybe when they recounted their near-death experience, their recollection was not that they saw a bright light. Maybe their recollection was something entirely different. Mm. But the baby being born would still cry because maybe when they were born in that environment, they saw the exact same thing that the other person saw when they hit their near-death experience. Like they were Whatever. Lives, they they might have seen like, I don't know, like a forest collapsing or something. I don't know. It's just, but what I'm saying is like the baby might have seen the same thing. It, might, it doesn't necessarily have to be like a bright light. It could be any other thing, which is a commensurate experience with bright light nearing death, bright light being born mm. kind of thing. So... Yeah, it is weird that when babies are born, they come out crying. Um, I don't really understand that. So I'm just gonna play the X file music and then end this end this podcast. So. <laughs> 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 All right, thanks guys. It's been two twins and a mic.